The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Well, greetings, pet lovers. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. You know, Dr. Fleck, I thought this was OJ-esque. I don't know if you saw this story. So OJ was not the only one who was chased down the freeway by police officers while a Philadelphia dog named Enzo, Enzo, got got that name, (laughs) escaped from his yard and went for a run, but down a busy highway, forcing police to chase him. Video from the local ABC Philly station showed the incident, how Enzo bought. I-95, I-95, traffic to a halt at 7.20 a.m. on Friday morning when he weaved through traffic, evaded police officers chasing him on foot. They were on foot now. So the cars finally stopped. Morning He's rush running, hour. morning rush hour, and police officers are running. I don't think they stay in such great shape, but he even got hit by a truck at one point, but jumped back up, sprang right back up and he kept running, apparently unfazed. But unlike OJ, Enzo got caught. He put up a fight. Then he surrendered soon after police took Enzo home. I think OJ went right to jail. He didn't have a chance to go home. Right. I don't remember. That was so long ago. I know, but the helicopter, but it was the news helicopter, the police helicopter. So I just any thoughts about that for that day's run? Because you were a runner, Dr. Fleck. Yeah, deja vu. Just like you say, you can just brings you back about the thoughts of that white Jeep going down the highway. Sure. With OJ hiding underneath with his driver there just. I thought he was driving. No, no. He had his good friend that was driving. Al Collins was Collins or something like that. Well, it's funny. You know, other dogs this year have made it down highways and freeways. Well, first there was Bear. He was a Rottweiler and he escaped from a Texas yard (laughs) in 2020, 2020, right? He was picked up by an animal shelter, rehomed and spotted in January of this year, running down the highway in Colorado. Okay, that was in 2020. So once he was caught, this was in January, he went home to his loving family in Texas. So he managed to get through all of Texas up to Colorado, rehomed. And then if you recall, we had that dog who this was six months ago. He jumped out of the car window. But, you know, dogs running down the highway are not unusual. But they're not an everyday common occurrence throughout the country. But when it does happen, a lot of times it's typical. They live near a highway and they escape from a yard or a fence. They jump out of a window of a moving vehicle or they get loose because of a traffic accident. So that's why it's important to spay and neuter your pets to prevent roaming, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, too, it's really not unusual for me here that a pet has jumped out of a moving vehicle. Yeah. Um, I see it around here sure. quite frequently. People have them on their laps. Or they're in the back seat with the windows exactly. open. Exactly. 
and people like with this highway thing, they don't maintain their fencing or keep it in good repair. Right. And they also don't secure their dogs in the backseat of a moving vehicle. So, I mean, I'm talking about a crate. I'm talking about a harness, harness. to keep your dog in the backseat. Well, thank goodness Enzo <laughs> was not injured. He just had a good time jaunt. And I think some it's like the can you imagine those three cops? I mean, I love police officers, but it's like the Keystone cops chasing him down the highway. People actually tried to catch him. They left their door open. He just saw the door open. He just jotted around it. Unlike OJ had a much better ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, OJ was been in and out of jail, I guess. And so just I guess for him, it was just harmless fun. He just had a good old time. So, Dr. Fleck, can you give us the specifics for this week's show? Yes. This week on the Pet Buzz, we are speaking about how Navy SEALs save the diplomatic staff and their pets in Sudan, understanding canine PTSD, pet food subscriptions to save money and to have convenience, understanding how pet germs can affect pet owners, puppy love. And a new movie. And, well, people are always searching for ways to age gracefully and live longer. And, of course, we want the same for our furry companions. And joining us to talk about pets aging gracefully is veterinarian Dr. Gene Pavlovsky. He is the medical director of the University of Illinois Veterinary Medicine South Clinic in Urbana and the head of the primary care service for dogs and cats. Dr. Pavlovsky, welcome to the Pest Buzz. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Dr. Jean, can you discuss the role of preventative medicine as it applies to our senior pets and why it's so important for pet parents to take an active role in the pet care, especially as their pets age? Sure, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> our pets have uh, uh, extended lifespans now as uh Nutrition has gotten better. Medicine has gotten better. And so a lot of the pets live longer. And some of the diseases that they are unfortunately afflicted with as they get older um, may have nonspecific symptoms. And a lot of pet parents may see a gradual deterioration and sort of assume that it's just aging. But in fact, it might be early signs of certain diseases like osteoarthritis or kidney disease. And so proactive approach and uh, um, sort of Seeing those signs as potential signs of disease is really important in management. So what supplements can benefit senior pets? And, and can you provide pet parents with some advice when it comes to buying supplements since there are so many of the expanding supplements in the marketplace? Uh, Dr. Mike, you're right. There's, there's such a, a huge number of supplements out there for animals, for people, and it's so hard to decide what product is best, when to start it. Um, I think generally speaking, if a cat or a dog is consuming a commercial pet food, um, they have a balanced and complete diet. So in, in most cases for a healthy animal, really no supplements are, are needed. But when, um, when a disease process has been identified, probably the best thing to do is to consult with your veterinarian to decide what supplement might be the best in combating that disease process. And also to get advice on um, what supplements out there can actually be helpful and effective. There's a lot on the label that may be misleading or just incomplete. And one might think that this is something that can 
help, but in fact, it, it may not. So I think it's important to consult your veterinarian and have them comment on the specific needs of that particular pet. Well, if you just joined us, we're speaking with veterinarian Dr. Jean Pawlowski about the aging gracefully of our senior pets. You know, Dr. Jean, we are loving our pets to death with food and treat choices. Unfortunately, and I hate to say this, and of course, sometimes I am judgmental, American pets are fat, just like their owners. So why is obesity such a problem for senior pets and how does it hinder them? And I guess really the big question is, because I haven't seen this, how can we motivate pet owners to help their pets lose weight as well as exercise their pets? Uh, great, great question, Charlotte. And in fact, it's interesting you say that oftentimes if I tell a pet parent and I think uh, I think their pet is actually at a good body condition, they seem surprised because people tell them that their pet is underweight. You know, why are they so skinny? But in fact, we've actually lost the ability to to tell what a what a normal body condition is. So uh, a lot of older pets have uh, diminished energy requirements. They don't need to exercise it. They don't exercise that much. And because they don't exercise that much, um, if they continue to eat the same amount of food, oftentimes they will become overweight. And as they do, it might make um, it difficult to get around. Um, if they have some underlying conditions like arthritis, for example, and their joints are painful, the extra weight can put a lot of pressure on those joints. Losing 5 to 10% uh, of body weight can have a significant impact on the way they get around. And so it makes it, you know, it makes it hard for them to be uh, pets and to be dogs and cats and do what they want to do and like to do. You have a question, Dr. Fleck. I do. So, Dr. Pavlovsky, we know that brushing pet teeth is a hassle for dog and cat owners. They don't like to do it. But can you discuss the worst case scenarios of providing pets with no dental care? And Mm -hmm. I think pet owners need to understand how the lack of dental care can contribute to organ problems. For sure. Yes, it's a great question. Periodontal disease is the most common inflammatory condition, chronic inflammatory condition in dogs and cats. 70 to 80 percent of dogs and cats have periodontal disease to some extent by age three years. And it's also a relatively silent disease. There are really no significant signs um, that pet owners might see immediately. Most dogs and cats might have a bit of bad breath and, and that may often be the only thing. However, periodontal disease, by virtue of being an inflammatory condition, can lead to loss of teeth and recession of bone, um, infection inside the mouth, pain, discomfort, eating. It's so all of those things add up to um, de- decreased quality of life. The older the animal gets, the worse it becomes. Um, they might eat less, they might lose weight, they may become painful, all the while not really showing signs that are clear to pet owners that their pet is in need of care. Hey, we need to take a commercial break and be back with veterinarian Dr. Jean Pavlovsky discussing how Senior pets can age gracefully. 
Up next, Celebrity Pet Buzz and Flex Facts. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzz, Worthy freebies. Visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Well, we're back with Dr. Gene Pavlovsky. He is the medical director of the University of Illinois Veterinary Medicine South Clinic and Urbana. Dr. Gene, any last words or encouraging words for pet parents of senior dogs and cats? Yeah, I, I would just say that you're not alone. You know, senior pet population is huge. There's someone out there that has the same questions and same issues. Your veterinarians are out there to help you. And I would just say that take take the time and give them lots of love and, you know, let them live it up. I think it's, uh, it's important to balance uh, the quality of life and uh, make sure that they have fun and make sure that they are remain healthy and watch for those subtle signs of disease and consult your veterinarian if there's ever any concerns. Yeah, I, I try to tell my my clients as as the pets aging that hey, you've got an opportunity now to have a different way of sharing your time with the pet. It's like sharing our life with older parents or grandparents that are going through, and it can be so enjoyable because as I as before, we kind of take from them when they're younger. Now we get to give the a little bit more to them, and giving sometimes is even better than taking. Well, that was my philosophy anyway. So Dr. Gene, thank you so much for joining us today. That was a great discussion, including how veterinarians and pet parents need to work together, keep the pets around as long as possible. But before we go, we want you to share your website with us, please. Yeah, um, I'm over at the University of Illinois. The website's kind of complicated, but if you go to our main site, which is uh, vetmed.illinois.edu. You can um, use the search window to navigate to primary care, and that's where you'll find some information about us and some additional helpful information about pets. Great. Great. Well, just to remind you, that was Dr. Jean Pawlowski, Medical Director of the University of Illinois Veterinary Medicine South Clinic in Urbana and the head of the primary care service for dogs and cats. We encourage you to engage in a strategic preventative care routine with your veterinarian to take care of your senior life. Not only will it save you money in the long run, but it will ensure keeping your pets happier and healthier for a longer period of time, time that you will really enjoy together. Absolutely. What's the celebrity pet buzz this week? It's all about puppy love. And now the latest news about celebrities and their pets. It's obsession. Aren't they cute? What's the name? Well, in the puppy love movie, after a disastrous first date, wild child Nicole, that's Lucy Hale, and socially anxious Max, that's Grant and Gustine, battle lose each other's number until they learn that their dogs find a love match. And now puppies are on the way. The mismatch Nicole and Max are forced to become responsible co-parents and may end up finding love themselves. In a July interview with People.com, Hale revealed that her dog in the movie who played the canine role of 
Channing Tatum is really a female dog named Fancy Pants. Additionally, Hale admitted that Fancy Pants was a consummate professional. Hale noted that the pooch was so well-behaved, more well-behaved than certain actors that she worked with. Seems like a quirky movie, but perhaps a dog lover's delight. You know, I have to admit that I found love in the dog park, so you never know what could happen with two dog owners. Look for the Puppy Love movie on Amazon Freebie, premiering on the platform August 18th. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! We're going to continue our conversation about how pets sometimes can carry germs that can make people sick. Remember, the diseases people get from animals are known as zoonotic diseases. Uh, I guess my question is going to be, other than washing hands, what can pet owners do to prevent getting pet doggy germs and which could possibly lead to diseases? Well, in addition to the hand washing, practicing good pet hygiene can help prevent the spread of germs between pets and people. Keep pets and their supplies out of the kitchen and disinfect pet habitats and supplies outside of the house whenever possible. Never clean supplies in the kitchen sink. You should not be cleaning in food preparation areas mm -hmm. or in the bathroom sink. Pets can contaminate surfaces in your home with germs. You don't have to touch pets. Remember, you don't have to touch them. You get it from just the germs that they come into contact with. Always remove your dog's feces from your yard and public places by using a bag and dispose of it in proper areas. Dog and cat poop can contain parasites and germs that can be harmful to us. Keep children away from areas that might contain dog or cat poop to prevent them from getting roundworms and hookworms. Cover sandboxes so cats don't use them as litter boxes. Clean the cat's litter box daily to lower chances of exposure to harmful parasites. And remember, People or females who are pregnant should avoid changing a cat litter box if possible. You know, it's funny because back in the day when I was a kid, there was always sandboxes in the parks. Now they don't have them at all. They just right. took them all out. And that one of that big reason is because feral cats will wander into these parks and poop and urinate into these uh, litter into these uh, sandboxes because they think they're like or even other animals as well. So talk to us about preventative care, because that's really important. Well, you got to talk to your pet's veterinarian about how to keep your pet healthy. Provide your pet with a good diet, fresh water, clean bedding, and plenty of exercise. Keep up with your pet's vaccines, deworming, and flea and tick control. Some pets can carry ticks that can spread serious diseases like Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and that is transmitted to people. In areas with play, including some rural areas in the western part of the U.S., fleas can be a risk to both animals and their owners. So by keeping your pet healthy, you help to keep yourself and your family healthy. So contact a veterinarian if you have any questions about your pet's health or if you think your pet may be sick. Okay, let's talk about wildlife because I mentioned yeah. it. And, you know, I mean, I told you this past week or last week, I saw a bobcat. Yep. No idea where he came from. And every so often I see a 
possum or a raccoon running across the road, not at night, but during the day. And they don't look rabid. That doesn't mean I'm going to go touch them. But still, this week I had a client come in from the east side of town who has bear in his backyard, too. Ooh. It's interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. So although they might be cute and cuddly, avoid touching wild animals. People are trying to be kind to the animals outside and are feeding them. And I always have thought that that can be a very dangerous condition. Yeah, that's right. Feeding your cats outside. But bears, bears can smell food eight miles away, eight miles away. They can smell food. And we now know we have bears in the area. And now we have bears in the area. Does your dog have digestive issues? Does your dog get stressed during travel? Vitality is committed to stopping the runs. Stop the Runs is a complex composition of natural extracts that help to regulate gut activity. Stop the Runs chewables feature Diadoc technology, a natural blend of pectin, prebiotics, bentonite, and electrolytes. Diadog is the number one anti-diarrhea solution in Europe. It works fast to stop acute diarrhea. You and your dog will feel relief. And we all know there's nothing acute about diarrhea. All you need is veterinarian recommended Stop the Runs chewables. Just feed as a single chew to get your dog's stool back to normal. As a treat or crumbled on top of food, dogs love the taste. So Stop the Runs with Vitality's Stop the Run chewables, promoting firm stools across the globe. Online at TevraPet.com. That's T-E-V-R-A Pet.com. And we thank Tevra Brands for being a proud supporter of the Pet Buzz. Well, up next is my Likey of the Week, Pet Money Matters Follows, and our next guest, uh, which you're going to be excited about. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud sponsor of the Pet Buzz. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio, where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Did you know that August is Itchy Pet Awareness Month? It's genius. It's to die for. Well, if you have an itchy dog, relief is in sight. Pet Honesty, a pet health supplement leader, manufactures safe pet nutraceuticals with natural ingredients, no harmful additives, and testing to ensure their products provide the benefits they promise along with taste that pets love. Their solution for your itchy pooch are a daily allergy skin health soft chew supplement for dogs 
allergy anti-itch salmon oil that you add as a topper at mealtime, and then their chlorhexidine shampoo for both dogs and cats that will not only address itching, but is also great for cleansing and odor removal. Check out these great health solutions for your pets at PetHonesty.com. That's P-E-T-H-O-N-E-S-T-Y.com. So what are you waiting for? Order these honest products to stop your pet from itching. Looking to save money on pet food? Pet Money Matters with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. Pet food is surely expensive. So how can you pet parents save money? Of course, you can use coupons, circulars, store clubs. But what about subscriptions? Amazon offers monthly subscriptions that also apply to pet food. So whether your dog or cat eats Caesar, Purina, Fancy Feast, Hill Science Diet, Taste of the Wild, Blue, Nutrish, Pedigree, Royal Canin, and more, you can sign up for monthly subscriptions, saving you money, a few bucks each month. But the best part is the food is delivered directly to your door. No more trips to the pet store. You can decide if you want food delivery every few weeks or every few months. Saving money and convenience is worth it. So don't wait. Sign up for pet subscription services on Amazon.com. Military working dogs serve our country as scouts and messengers. Some perform tactical type tasks to the present day installation law enforcement detection and combat operations task. Due to the nature of the combat environments in which they perform their jobs, military working dogs can be susceptible to canine post-traumatic distress order. Joining us today is veterinarian Dr. Walter Burghardt Jr. Dr. Burghardt has worked as the Chief of Behavioral Medicine at the Daniel E. Holland Military Working Dog Hospital at Lackland Air Force Base since 1995 and is considered the leading authority on canine post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, Dr. Burkhart, thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz today. You know, it's a real treat to have you join. I'm a big fan. Um, First, I want to start by thanking you very much for your service to to our country, and we appreciate have you helped our milita- military uh, service canines. So I think that salute is uh, really, really important. I always like to thank our servicemen and women who serve the country. Well, appreciate that, and it's great to be with you. So, Dr. Burkhart, when do the average dogs enter military service, and then about when do they leave? Yeah, so... Um... It's a little bit of a confusing answer, but I will try to walk through it as straightforwardly as I can. So most of the dogs that that go into service for the United States military actually purchased as young adults. That's a really good time to start working with them. And so that means one-ish, about one year of age or thereabouts. Um, So they are procured from people that actually uh, rear dogs specifically for military uh, and police use. And they typically stay in service till around eight and a half, nine years of age. Now, the complication to that answer is that there is also a breeding program uh, that the military uh, operates. Those dogs are actually reared by volunteers, much like the people that uh, adopt military dogs. And then they go into service usually a little bit earlier. They go into training and service. So there's two routes basically for those dogs. Okay, I gotcha. Well, if during his or her career, military working dog displays, I guess, a notable change in behavior, whether in general temperament or working behavior, how do you all evaluate that? Or how did you all evaluate since I know you're retired now? 
uh, there is a follow-on colleague to me. Uh, so, and she actually wears a uniform. Desiree Broach is the current behaviorist at the dog center. And we are, have another one in training right now in a residency. And we have a third veterinarian who is working on, on her uh, behavior residency as well. So uh, those individuals are looking at the dogs uh, that are presented with, gee whiz, this dog is having some issues, if you will. And on the, on the flip side, there are two sides to the working dog world. Uh, side number one is medical care and behavior uh, problems are part of medical care. The other side is the training side and employment side. So dogs might experience problems while they are in training or alternatively while they're being employed. Sometimes those problems are directly related to a behavioral problem they have, sometimes not. Sometimes it's simply uh, they've gotten confused about what it is that they're being asked to do or they're not motivated enough to do what they need to do. Or So it is a two-pronged approach to tr trying to identify, is this something that we are not communicating well with the dog and not getting what we need or alternatively, is this a behavioral problem that is developing that requires intervention and treatment? Well, first of all, I have to comment because you said that you've been replaced by more or less three people. So I guess you are definitely a hard act to follow. Well, if, you, <laughs> well, if you've just joined us, we're speaking with veterinarian Dr. Berghart. The Department of Fences, at one time, the only animal uh, behavioral specialist. He is joining us to talk about canine PTSD. So one of the possible diagnosis, I guess, based on the evaluation can be canine post-traumatic stress order. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's one of a broad range of problems that, that dogs can uh, demonstrate. And quite honestly, if you look at military dogs, a number of problems that they develop behaviorally look a lot like what we see in the pet population because fundamentally they're still dogs. So developing um, a distinct dislike and, a, and a, a lack of comfort with social settings or loud noises or uh, getting bored and just destructive chewing, all those things can and do happen in working dogs just like they do in pets. PTSD is one really small but significant issue. I mean, small in the sense that that it is, it's really been narrowly defined as dogs that are in combat settings that are exposed to a combat environment, which later develop behavioral problems of one sort or another. So it's, it's kind of a small box. It is definitely a possibility. And, and that one is moderately unique to working dogs, although it is not inconceivable that pet dogs and cats and horses also could be traumatized with things that happen around them. I guess in some ways is canine PTSD similar to PTSD and human soldiers? I mean, are some of the symptoms the same? Okay, uh, let me clarify one step, uh, one, one part of that question just a bit. And th this is an opportunity that I always take when I can. Uh, dogs show us signs, not symptoms. So they can't really tell us what it is that they're perceiving. So some of the things that we do, in fact, use for human diagnosis, let's say for PTSD, we can't evaluate. We can't look at intrusive recollection and dream states and things like that. That's just not a possibility. We can't ask them that question and get an answer from them. So we are working our diagnostic efforts on behaviors that they demonstrate that we can say, yeah, that behavior is happening. No, it's not happening. That's really the way that we look at that. Now, comparing it to humans, uh, way back in 2010, we had a blue ribbon panel that got together to try to identify what we we're going to call this thing, if you will, diagnosis in working dogs. And we had psychiatrists, psychologists, statisticians, epidemiologists, 
uh, veterinary behaviorists, you name it on this panel. And we we decided to call it something completely different in part because we did not, we wanted to be sensitive to the fact that humans in combat settings were really developing a really significant and major problem. We didn't want to, uh, you know, just say, you know, gee whiz, dogs and cats get the same thing. That said, some of the signs that dogs developed are consistent with some of the signs that we see in humans. So for instance, changes in social interactions, the, 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 the social uh, uh, structure that, that people have and dogs can be disrupted when dogs develop this PTSD. Dogs are failing at what they do for a living. And that's sort of the, the underlying one that really brought this, this diagnosis to light was these dogs, some of them may have looked okay, but they weren't working right. They, they could be showing specific avoidance behaviors to stuff that they previously didn't. Remember, these are dogs that are selected because they are highly tolerant of things that pet dogs might not be. Loud noises, explosions, gunfire, uneven surfaces, you name it. And seeing a dog that went from looking really convincingly and behaviorally appropriate and, and did hard work and enjoyed it, Going to a dog that really was avoiding that kind of work, was having problems with social interactions with their handler and failing at their task, um, that was huge. So those things are consistent with what we see in people. Well, we need to take a commercial break and uh, return with our guest of the moment. Also in our next segment is Global Pet News and Tell Me Something Good. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck here at the Pet Buzz. We are urban, suburban, and and country. Well, we're happy to continue our discussion about canine PTSD with veterinarian Dr. Walter Burghardt Jr. He's considered to be, at the time, an army of one since he was the only behaviorist at the Department of Defense. And as I mentioned earlier, he's been replaced by three individuals. So that tells you a lot. Well, I'm just kind of curious. um, What are some common signs, since I can't use the word symptoms, um, in canine PTSD and military working dogs? Well, good job with the signs. And uh, in fact, the the replacement with three was actually trying to clone myself because we really (laughs) needed more. We needed more work. We needed more people to do the work. And and so canine PTSD could look a lot like a dog that develops um, fearful behavior around a particular situation, sound, or individuals. So that's one aspect of it. So kind of a a development of an aversion or a fear. Secondly is social changes, changes in the way that the dog responds to uh, people uh, and potentially even other other uh, animals. So um, military working dogs really enjoy what they do and they are highly bonded to their handlers. So when that breaks, 
either they're aloof, they become aloof, they maybe even become antagonistic toward their handler, we know something's wrong. So that's another very uh, common clinical sign. And as I mentioned, the, the, the showstopper, the one that really is a life and death issue for a military working dog is that they are no longer performing their tasks correctly. So why is that a life and death situation showstopper? About 80% or thereabouts of what a military working dog does is look for things that go boom. So they're looking for explosives by the sense of smell. Um, most of the dogs are dually trained and show aggressive behavior, biting and holding a bad guy. Uh, but what really is the make or break for most military dogs is the fact that they save lives by finding explosives. I guess what I'm curious about is, are you watching on tape when this evaluation is going on? Are you in the room as the dog is doing a variety of exercises to make the evaluation? That's a great question. Most of the diagnostics that go along with canine PTSD are done by video recording of dogs in a in the most natural setting in which they we can put them. So uh, we will work with dogs in training or proficiency testing to evaluate whether in fact they're finding things that, that have explosive sense to them. We will um, uh, evaluate uh, either contemporaneous videos while they're working or later videos um, that will show uh, their their response to their handlers and uh, environmental events and things like that. The, the primary thing that we are looking for with PTSD is work environment related behavioral problem. If the dog is deemed to have canine PTSD, how is the military dog treated? We do evaluate the dogs as an individual and we treat them as individuals. Uh, there is a protocol or set of steps that we try to teach our army veterinarians because, uh, as I just mentioned, most of the diagnostics are done in the field or close to the field. So we've got this dog, we're in country ABC, and it, it's showing these clinical signs. Do we have a problem? What do we do about it? So we are working with attending veterinarians all around the world, 200 plus locations around the world and walking them through diagnostic and therapeutic plans. And we've done a lot of training with a lot of veterinarians over a lot of years uh, so that everybody has a good feel for, oh yeah, that's what that could be. Um, and the treatment uh, is, is really pretty straightforward. Number one is uh, much like a dog that's showing destructive chewing or having toileting issues in the house, we want to prevent that behavior from occurring as much as possible. So we want to get the dog out of harm's way, number one. Number two, uh, and, and that also goes along with humans and dog safety, because remember, this is life and death. You know, I didn't even ask the big question. What are most of the breeds of these dogs? Yeah, two major breeds, and, and, and I would say breed type. So okay. um, most of these dogs, as I mentioned, are purchased as adults, and they're not purchased from AKC breeders. They're usually purchased in Europe by people that are breeding dogs to do this type of work, and they fall into two major groups. They're all uh, working dog, herding type dogs. Uh, about 50% of them are shepherd type, uh -huh. and the other 50% 
are uh, fall into the group which were called Belgian Malinois. And for my Belgian friends, uh, especially my Fem Flemish friends, it's also called the Mechelar Hound. Okay. Um, and they would correct me on that and tell me I owe them a euro if I didn't say that. So uh, those are the two breed types. The, sort of your typical looking German Shepherd and a dog of similar size with a little shorter coat, tan coat, black face. Sure. Well, Dr. Burkhart, thank you so much for joining me today. Is there a website where we can learn more about you as well as military working dogs that have served our country? Yeah, there, there's a, a few, and I can send you some links as well. But um, a great place to start with working dogs in general is uh, a website, which is IWDBA.org. And that stands for International Working Dog Association. Um, and there's a little on me there, and there's pointers on other uh, other folks that, that play heavily in this game. Um, the Another one that uh, there's a Facebook page for the breeding program. Um, so it's a military working dog breeding program, and there's some good pointers and information there. And also the training group that actually uh, trains and employs these dogs and also is responsible for finding homes for dogs that retire is the 341st Training Squadron at Lackland Air Force Base. So a quick Google search, uh, you're number one or number two on the list for a search of military working dog training is going to be 341st Training Squadron at Lackland Air Force Base, uh, Texas, which is now Joint, joint Base San Antonio. Well, um, you guys, don't worry. I'll make sure I put that up on our social media channels um, so you can get that information and check it out. Time to talk about pets from around the world. And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. An armed force conflict between the Sudanese armed forces and the parliamentary rapid support forces, both rival factions of the military government of Sudan, began on April 15, 2023, with fighting concentrated around the capital city, as well as the Defar region. And months later, when U.S. ambassador to Sudan, John Goffrey, was huddled in the capital city while dodging bullets and airstrikes, there was one question that he hadn't expected, which was, how much do the embassy staff's dogs and cats weigh? Well, Navy SEALs, much later, were dispatched to save diplomatic personnel from the clashes that erupted between the feuding Sudanese generals had agreed to evacuate pets as part of their diplomatic rescue mission. The only stipulation were that the four-legged passengers fit in carrier bags and that their weight was counted down to the very pound. The rule of thumb was basically that the dogs and cats had to fit on a diplomatic staffer's lap. The Sudanese escape marked a very lucky break for the cats and the dogs of the U.S. mission in East Africa and another chapter in the growing history of military and diplomatic pet evacuations. Now for the good stuff. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. You know, you never know when you're going to meet your BFF. For Luna Cowley, it was when she was visiting her grandparents. She met a stray dog that had been staying close to their grandparents' home. When Luna and her mother approached the dog, the dog 
backed off, but when Luna approached the dog alone, the frightened pup quickly changed. Not only did she run away, she immediately ran up to greet her. Although the Cowley family had to leave this sweet pooch behind this time, when they came back for Easter, Luna insisted they bring the dog home, a choice that her mother agreed with. As soon as they could, they took the dog that they named Magic to the vet, where she was confirmed to be about six months old. They also confirmed that she didn't have a microchip. Between that and the fact that they couldn't find anyone in search of a dog like Magic, it was finally safe to say this sweet pooch had found her forever home and her forever best friend. You can find Luna and Magic's story on TikTok at Rekka Cowley. That's at R-E-K-A-H-C-O-W-L-E-Y. A forever best friend and home. Now that's something good. Well, did you hear the bell? Oh, my gosh. No. did Is it really? Uh, it's a wrap, Dr. Fleck. Wow. We want to give you a so preview soon. of next week's show. Next week, we're talking about pet product industry and its effect on the pet owning consumer as well as their pets. And we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. You can visit their website at Epi, that's E-P-I, hyphen pet.com and use the promo code the pet buzz for a 25 percent discount and if you have any questions write to us at team at the pet we will try to cover it on next week's show and if you've missed any portion of this show visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the linked podcast on monday morning but most importantly remember we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets peace out and pet love goodbye Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.